This is Jen Grisanti, and you are watching the TV Writer Podcast. Hosted by Gray Jones, the TV Writer Podcast is brought to you by Script Magazine and ScriptMag.com, the leading source for script writing information in print and on the web. And by Final Draft Script Writing Software, the entertainment industry standard for script writing worldwide. My name is Gray Jones, and I want to welcome you to the TV Writer Podcast, partner of Script Magazine, episode 26, for Monday, June 27th, 2011. Well, today I have the incredible privilege of giving you the very first full video interview, and this is with author and story career consultant, Jen Grisanti. And it was so, so exciting. A wonderful interview. You are absolutely going to love it. And, uh, and it was just great to have her on the podcast. And so I know that you're going to have a lot of fun watching that interview. That's going to come up in just a few minutes. But first, uh, some news items and, uh, not just, not the same ones that we talk about every week, but there's a few new ones. And one of them is that at tvwriterpodcast.com, uh, there's now a schedule page that shows you what interviews are coming. So I urge you to go there, go to tvwriterpodcast.com and just click on the link at the top that says schedule and you can find out the uh, writers that are coming up. And the w the reason that's so important is because that gives you a chance to prepare your questions. I urge you to send in questions for the writers so that I have a chance to ask not only my own questions, but yours as well. And very excitingly, you can send them not... Uh, not only in text, but you can also send audio questions if you want to record yourself asking a question. You can even send questions in video form. I'd happily put them into the podcast. And so take advantage of that. You can send questions to mail at tvwriterpodcast.com, and I would absolutely love to have them. Uh, while you're at the tvwriterpodcast.com site, make sure you check out the Twitter database that has over 700 TV writers on Twitter, and the list continues to climb. So definitely take advantage of that list. And one of the writers on that list that you definitely should follow is me. At Gray Jones is my handle. Um, another thing that I do want to mention, as you're at the site, make sure you do check out the store. Um, if you want some great TV writing books and general writing books on your bookshelf, make sure you buy them through the store at the site, and that gives a chance to support the podcast through your purchase. And uh, and also, if you do want to support in other ways, there's a PayPal donation link that, that you can send cash donations. No amount is too small. No amount is too big. And the reason I ask this is because up to now, um, the podcast has been pretty heavily subsidized by my Chuck podcast, the podcast I do for NBC's Chuck. Um, and Chuck, as we probably know, is ending. Um, it only has a half season left. And so by the time that ends, that podcast won't be able to subsidize this one anymore. So I will be um, probably asking for more of your help in the coming months. And uh, hey, might as well start now. Um, it, and, and, you know, if you do benefit from listening to the podcast, um, I urge you to consider just Think about what you might pay for DVD training, and this is hey, free is a lot cheaper. Um, and so if you uh, if you have a chance to give a little back, that would be very very helpful. Um, make sure you remember on Sunday nights the TV Writer Chat that takes place on Twitter with the hashtag TV Writer Chat that happens at 9:30 p.m. Eastern, 6:30 p.m. Pacific every Sunday night. You can get details about that including topics that are coming at tvwriterchat.com and there's also a link there to find out how to go to a chat room that automatically enters that hashtag for you so that it's a little easier 
to tweet. So take advantage of that. There's some great guests that, that come uh, every once in a while, and you're welcome to invite your friends and come on and chat with us. But right now, I'm going to read a bio about Jen Grisanti. And the reason is because, boy, there's a lot to cover because she's done so much in her life. And and uh, and so I'm going to get right to it right now. Jen Grisanti is a story consultant, independent producer, writing instructor for Writers on the Verge at NBC, blogger for the Huffington Post, and author of the new books, Storyline, Finding Gold in Your Life Story, which is this one right here, and the TV Writing Toolkit, How to Write a Script That Sells. And she actually has another one in the works. Jen started her career as an assistant to Aaron Spelling 15 years ago. Aaron was her mentor for the next 12 years as she climbed the ranks and eventually ran current programs at Spelling Television Incorporated, covering all of Spelling's shows, including... Beverly Hills, 90210, Melrose Place, and Charmed. In 2004, Jen was promoted to Vice President of Current Programs at CBS Paramount, where she covered such shows as Medium, Numbers, NCIS, 4400, and Girlfriends. And while at CBS Paramount, she served as a mentor in the CBS Diversity Program, which seeks out and nurtures young writers and directors. Then, in January 2008, she did something incredibly exciting. She launched Jen Grisanti Consultancy, Inc., a consulting firm dedicated to helping talented writers break into the industry by drawing on her 12-year experience as a studio executive, where she gave daily notes to executive producers and showrunners. Jen personally guides writers to shape their material, hone their pitches, and focus their careers. Since launching, Jen has worked with over 350 writers, I think, working in television, features, and novels. And in the first three and a half years, already 20 of her clients have staffed as writers on television shows. And several, I think seven, she said, have sold pilots. Two of them went to series. In 2008, Jen was also hired to be the writing instructor for NBC's Writers on the Verge program, which is a very exciting fellowship program. Her brand is developing from within. Her company hosts the StoryWise seminars and teleseminars as a way to get this message out. She has CDs and workbooks for how to write a TV spec script and how to write a TV pilot script and a StoryWise workbook gearing up for staffing and development season. She also has a StoryWise, an excellent StoryWise podcast series available on iTunes and her website, www.jengrisanticonsultancy.com. Dot com. Uh, I urge you to check out our website. There's lots of great resources there. Um, Jen has taught classes for the Scriptwriters Network, Screenwriting Expo, the Northwestern Screenwriters Guild in Seattle, and Alameda Writers Group. She has served on panels for the WGA and the Writers Boot Camp. In 2009, her company hosted a writing retreat in Hawaii at the Turtle Bay Resort. Jen meets writers who are interested in her services and also does it over the internet um, for a free initial half-hour consult that can be done in person or on the phone. She then specially designs between two to five proposals to fit the client's needs and help them attain their goals. Very, very cool stuff. So again, her website is jengrisanticonsultancy.com and her Twitter is at jengrisanti. So I urge you to connect with Jen, and one great way is by watching the video right now. Enjoy. 
This is Gray, and I have the privilege of being here in live video with author and story career consultant, Jen Grisanti. How are you doing, Jen? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. We're going to have a lot of fun today, and I know that we're we're never going to do justice to everything that you have to offer, but we're going to try to just touch on um, a number of the fascinating things that you do and have done over the course of your career. You you definitely have, have done some really exciting things and continue to do so. So um, I guess the best way to, to start is to go right back to the beginning, and where did you grow up? I grew up in Whittier, California, in a place called Friendly Hills. And then I went to USC and studied film and cinema and communications. And then I went to, um, then I did a few internships in casting and quickly saw that producing was where I was producing and writing was my stronger interest. And um, I got my first uh, big job at Spelling as Aaron Spelling's assistant. And I got that through the Friedman Agency. It's mm -hmm. a entertainment employment agency. Wow. Yes. Uh, <laughs> right, right there. You could just stop right there. Assistant to Aaron Spelling. I mean... Just being his assistant must have been an absolutely amazing thing. I mean, what what was that experience when you walked in and you met Aaron Spelling and, I mean, just your first few weeks on the job? Um, You know, it was fascinating. And I always like telling people this story because it shows you how when one thing happens, something better can come along. And like when I was first up for the job, it got down to me and one other girl and they, and we hadn't met Aaron yet. And they went with the other girl and I was devastated. Oh, but yeah. the great thing that came out of it was I worked, I got to temp for the president of spelling films. And so I was there for a month and got to familiarize myself with the company. And then the other girl didn't work out and I got offered more money. So it actually worked to my advantage. So wow. it was, it was great. And then meeting him for the first time was, it was huge. I mean, mm -hmm. I was the biggest fan in the world of his stuff. Uh -huh. So I was, you know, I was in love with 90210 at the, at the day that I started, we were casting Melrose Place. Oh my so goodness. it was, it was, yeah, it was a really good day to start. And it was year two of 90210. Wow. So it was really a very, very incredible time to start. Mm -hmm. It was great. He was, he was, you know, it, it was fascinating because of course you hear about him and it sounds bigger than life. Mm -hmm. And, and then you meet him and he, he had a, um, a powerful presence, um, beneath, like he's, he's a, he's a smaller, uh, he was a smaller man. So it definitely, was incredible to see and speak to him and recognize the um the genuine heart beneath the exterior mm -hmm. so it it was it was he was my mentor for 12 years so it was it was a gift well i mean you must have made a connection to be to be there for so long and i mean it seems like pretty quickly you became a script consultant for uh, for him and and ended up being a director so i mean tell me about that process of of uh, of growing yes. and growing so what it's 
Yeah. So what, what happened was I was his assistant and then I became script coordinator. And then, um, I went to him and said, you know, I've been here and I've been doing this job for three years. And, um, I think we need a, a current programming department because at that time we only had development and we had five shows on the air. Mm-hmm. So he said, well, we don't have a current programming vice president. And I said, well, I think we need one. So he ended up hiring someone. And then I started as coordinator of current programming. And I went from coordinator of current programming to manager of current programming to director of current programming to executive director of current programming to being the head of current programming for my last two years there before I went over to CBS Paramount. Wow. So after only three years there, you pitched him on starting a whole department. Yes. (laughs) That is so cool. I had, you know, it's wild. Like when I think about, I was like, wow. I mean, it is wild looking back, but I have to say, I mean, to make any stride in this business, whether you're a writer in this business or an executive, you have to be willing to jump off cliffs. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to, because unfortunately, it's not a town that's going to say, oh, gee, you've been working your tail off. Let's give you uh, more money and promote you. It more is about, for the most part, I mean, there are some some companies that, that do that. But for the most part, it really is you paving your way and you creating a path for yourself and then going after it. Mm-hmm. And, and this was no different. I mean, I, I was blessed that he was my mentor, which in one sense was a gift, but in another sense, it was having to prove yourself outside of his office. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there definitely was you to work three times as hard. So it, it was definitely, you know, I would work till eight 30 at night and then I go home and read scripts until 1130. Wow. And then we would go over the notes the next day so it yeah so it was you know it was a lot of work but it was an amazing experience (laughs) wow well and and what i really really appreciate about about that is it like there's a lot of people taking big risks in hollywood but i appreciate that you showed a sense of ownership in the company like you weren't just thinking about yourself but you were thinking about how can this company go further and yes. I mean, I, I can imagine being in Aaron Spelling's shoes that looking at that, that, he would say, wow, this is somebody that I want to be around. Do you know, in, it's, it's funny because I, I just had, I think through, through doing notes with this man and I came into his life when he was in his late sixties and I was in my early twenties. So it was actually a really good time for me to come into his life because it was a time when he was ready to teach someone all that he knew about story. And I got blessed to be that person. So it was, uh, it was amazing. And, and I definitely think there there was a respect between us because he was a workaholic. I was a workaholic. He was a perfectionist and he was all about teaching you to expect it from yourself, mm-hmm. which could be difficult at times because of course there's a lot of pressure under that. But because he expected perfection from himself, it made you respect it even more and want to give it 
even more. So it was amazing, mm-hmm. you know. Well, let's let's turn attention a little bit towards some of the shows that you were involved with. I, I yes. mean, I mean, starting from from the beginning. You had 90210 and Melrose yeah. Place. But I mean, Melrose Place Charmed. Yeah. And- Summerland. Mm hmm. Um, let me see. Mel- let's see. I mean, God, I was probably on like 15 shows while I was there because there were a lot of shows that came and went. Mm-hmm. Um, the Heights was definitely a show. The Heights, uh, Robin's Hoods, Charmed, Seventh Heaven. Um, Summerland, I mentioned, and, uh, 10-8, mm-hmm. um, Palisades, Pacific Palisades. Um, so yeah, there, it, the list goes on. Wow. And, <laughs> uh, and so you were giving notes on those shows. You, you were, yeah. uh, I mean, tell, tell me a bit about your responsibility with regards to, um, interacting with the showrunners and writers on those shows. Yes. Um, current programming, so you understand what the position is, is development is responsible for developing the series. And then the moment, the pilot, and then the moment the pilot um, gets picked up, it moves into current programming. And then current programming, the responsibility of the current programming department is to help staff the shows with writers and directors and then to work with the showrunner on the development of story. So we essentially cover the show from story concept to screen and everything in between. Very, very cool. And uh, and so... You did that for 12, well, no, I mean, you w- worked your way up yes. for 12 years I've, and then um, came a major shift when you went I over was, to CBS Paramount. Um, so what, yes. tell me just a little bit about that move. Yes, I was, I was promoted to vice president of current programming and essentially it was going from, they were a sister company. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially it was going from more of a mom and pop type company um, into a much bigger company. And, mm. and it was, um, it was tremendous. I mean, of course, you know, that was everything I was shooting for in my career. And when I got to CBS Paramount, it was hard because at that time, and this is, this is my last memories of, of Aaron. So it was definitely a very heartfelt time. They told him that, uh, I had been promoted and they wanted to get his blessing and they got his blessing. And then like a week before I was going to leave, he said, <clears throat> Jen's not leaving the building, is she? Oh. And so because he had dementia at that time. Uh. And so. I didn't get to say goodbye to him because they didn't want it to be a problem. So then the, the cute thing was he, um, continued to send me scripts, pilot (laughs) scripts to do notes on for Uh about three months after I left. Wow. And, and then he saw my announcement in the trades three months later. And he called me, and that was our last call. And he wow. just was so incredible and told me how much he loved me and told me his door was always open and said really great things about my ability to give development notes. And and so that was our last conversation. So it was um, 
It was amazing. Wow. Yeah, it was great. Wow. I mean, that, that is, I mean, such a tremendous story. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. and so now you're at, at, uh, CBS Paramount and now you're involved in some other shows like NCIS and the 4400. Was that at, at, uh, Paramount as well? Yes. Yes. At CBS Paramount, I covered medium numbers, NCIS, 4400 and girlfriends. Wow. And so that was, that was about 2005 mm. to 2008, I guess. That was 2004 oh, to 2004. 2007. Uh, two, two, okay, okay. And yeah. so, so 2007, you um, had a yes. huge shift, major, major shift, and yes, and a couple a couple of things happened. Another clip. I <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, one of the things that I I just absolutely love, and and that is that I mean, you you were climbing this ladder, and you stepped off the yes. ladder. To do something really, yeah. really risky and bold, but it was for the and sake of, the of <laughs> well, but it, but really it was, it was for the sake of helping young writers. And that to me, like, it's just such a, such yeah. a huge leap. Tell me about that and, and what led, what led you to that and, and then making that move. Um, you know, and, and these are, this is a big pivotal life moment that I talk about in storyline, which I know we're going to talk about later. Um, but really what led to it was, um, in 2007, I was told that my contract was not being renewed. Um, and so the decision therein was continue to go up the corporate ladder, um, or, and part of that, and this is good for everyone to know, I mean, the boss who hired me at CBS Paramount, he got let go, and then in came a new guy, and this was part of that change. Mm. And so it was, you know, really having to come to terms with the fact that it was a gift to have worked for essentially one company since they were sister companies for 15 years. But mm. then... Of course, like after I had divorced uh, in 1998, and then I pretty much married my job. So it was kind of like going through a second divorce. It was a very, very big life shift. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, certainly when you work for studios, my, I had several months left on my contract. And so because you get paid for the, for the rest of your contract, I um, it allowed me... Uh, freedom for a choice. Mm -hmm. So, of course, the choice was, do I continue to go up the corporate ladder and be a senior vice president or do I start out on my own? And so, you know, there were several things that weighed into my decision because I was 40 years old at the time and in the entertainment business, you know, really at between 40 and 50, you really start, you have to start to think about your plan. What's your backup plan? What's going to happen after this career ends? And so I knew that I was going to be hitting a ceiling at the senior VP level, and then I would have to start my own business. So I thought, why not start my own business immediately mm -hmm. uh, instead of wait another three to five years. And um, so I 
I did jump off a cliff. I started my business in the middle of the writer's strike in um, January of 2008. Mm -hmm. And I was opening a writer's consultancy where writers were going to pay me a fee on a per project basis Mm -hmm. to work with them on their writing portfolio. And you know, what I had found was because what I was known for was giving notes. Mm-hmm. It, it was what I was known for as an executive. And, and so, uh, um, and so in giving notes, I, um, I thought, how do I put everything that I loved about my job into a business mm-hmm. and create something out of it? So, I worked for three months and CAA, Creative Artists Agency, they were a huge support, as was UTA and William Morris Endeavor and many other agencies. So I, I had the community because I had staffed over 15 shows. Mm-hmm. And so I had gotten a lot of writers work. I had very strong relationships in the community. And so you know, I went to the agencies, um, CAA being the first one, and they encouraged me to do the business because they said there's nothing out there quite like what you're talking about, meaning that I specially design uh, packages for writers. So a writer will meet with me for a free initial half-hour consult. I'll listen to all their needs, and then I'll design between two and five proposals ranging in cost and value to help get them where they want to go. And I ended up you know, I work with writers from staff level all the way up to co-executive producer level. Mm-hmm. So it it really is like they have their own development executive manager type, even though I'm not a manager. And I actually end up referring the top, top writers to managers and agents. Um, but, um, it was a business. There was no business. There was, you know, certainly there are script consultants. I mean, there are amazing script consultants out there like Alan Sandler and Pilar Alessandra and Robert McKee certainly Mm. was a huge one that inspired me to go in this direction and Blake Snyder Mm. and certainly like looking at all of these careers and recognizing that there really was no one with my background in television Mm -hmm. doing this. So because I had given notes all day, every day for, you know, 15 years, I I knew that there was value on the market for that. So Mm -hmm. that's what inspired uh, me to go out on my own. So, so you, you take people at all levels. So not just beginning writers, yes. but somebody at a mid level right. who wants to get to a, a higher level in their, in their writing. Yeah. I mean, like what, uh, with my upper level clients, like what I do is certainly writers will hit a ceiling or a wall where they don't know how to move out of Mm. where they are. So in that case, I will help them redefine what scripts they need to write to help move them in the direction they want to go. And, you know, the gift of when I opened my company, um, I opened my company in January of 2008. Well, because I had covered Medium um, when I was at CBS Paramount, even though it was an NBC show, um, CBS Paramount as a studio produced it. And, um, and so as a result, I met Erica Kinnear and Ted, who ended up hiring me, hiring me to be the writing instructor for Writers on the Verge at NBC. Mm-hmm. So that happened in, uh, September of 2008. 
Great, great. Well, yeah. we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. <laughs> um, just just if, yeah. Uh, to talk a little bit more about the consultancy. Um, so you, I, yes. I imagine, because of all of your relationships with these shows, once people do get to that higher level, it must help you to be able to 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 recommend them to staffs and 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 that kind of thing. And I know that you have staffed uh, several writers and and also helped a couple of uh, more than two two uh, uh, sell pilots as well. Well, um, so far, I've worked with, since I opened my business, I've worked with over 350 writers mm. in TV, film, and novels. And of that 350, I've helped with getting 20 people staff. Wow, 20 now. And, um, se- yeah, 20 and seven of my clients have sold pilots. Wow. And two of them have gone to series. Wow. That yeah. is so awesome. In only three years. I mean, that is crazy. Yeah. yeah. I'm at, I'm at three and a half years now. So yeah. Wow. Well, you, yeah. you must be so excited when, when you get that phone call. <laughs> I yes. got the job. And, and, yes. There's nothing better. Yeah. I, I can't even say like it is a fascinating thing when your life takes a turn because for me, it, it, the universe nudged me in a much more authentic direction Hmm. that, that suits me in a much better way. Because for me, there is no greater uh, reward than to see a writer um, click into the information and really find their voice and in finding their voice, be able to pave their path in the business. So yeah, I love it. I very, love it. Very, very cool. Well, and, Thank you. and uh, I, I'm guessing that there's a lot more in the pipe, a lot more people who, uh, who are going to be making that break soon. Cause I know yes. even on your website, it said 12, and that yes. was written just a few months ago. So it was, I know. And I just updated, um, because right now this season, yeah, every season is when it all happens. So that's when the number goes up wow. when it's wow. staffing season. Yeah. yeah. So it does. Yeah. It's been good. It's been good. Like writers on the verge this year alone. Um, not, not j- for the last three years, we've had eight finalists each year. And of the last three years, seven of those 24 staffed, uh, have staffing jobs this season. So wow. it, it, yeah. So writers on the verge is doing really well, as well as as the clients that I'm working with, which include writers on the verge, as well as other writers. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, before we leave the consultancy, yeah. um, I want to mention yes. your website so people can find you. Jen Grisanti Consultancy is is the the website, and they can find out all about your services there. Yes, www.jengrisanti.com consultancy.com mm-hmm. and I designed my website so it's kind of like a one-stop shop for writers so mm-hmm. that you can find out events and seminars that are going on as well as books that I recommend as well as resource links as well and then I have a newsletter that goes out every month that is I kind of designed like a daily candy as far as giving writers information about events going on around town at the same time uh, as updating them about my business. Mm-hmm. And there, there's resources like little kits that, that they can order about writing pilots and, and things like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have workbooks. I have, uh, in addition to Storyline, I have a book 
um, called TV Writing Toolkit, How to Write a Script That Sells. And that's a compilation of my five top-selling workbooks. And then I have two CDs called How to Write a TV Spec Script and How to Write a TV Pilot Script. And I just came out with two DVDs. Um, one is called Story Tools, and the other is called Writing a Feature Script. Very cool. Thank and you. and so tell me, um, do you also work with people who are outside of LA? Um, like, can you yes. work with somebody? Say, for instance, somebody from Boston wants to um, hire you. Can you work across distances like that? I work. I work with people all over the U.S. I work with. I've worked. I've had clients in Italy, Australia, Hong Kong. Uh, Ireland. Wow. Yeah. So I, yeah, I work, I mean, be, through the blessing of Skype, mm -hmm. it really is, you know, the great thing about this business is anyone who wants to learn story and has a hunger and a desire, that's all it takes. So it, it is then just working together. Yeah. And I love it. Mm -hmm. You know, I love the idea of being able to get to know writers from all over the world. Very, very cool. Well, now let's Thank move you. on to NBC uh, Writers on the Verge. Tell me about that program. Yes. Um, I mean, first of all, your um, involvement, and then also maybe describe um, how, like, who would want to apply for that program and what they might need to get in, and then what course. what uh, what happens in the program for them. Yes. Well, so people know we are accepting submissions right now from May 30th to June 30th, and. Um, and so there's still time, um, and you need to submit a script. And then there are two essays. That's part of it. And it, uh, if you go to writers, you just Google writers on the verge at NBC, then the link will come up and the application process is all there. I work with Karen Horn, who's the head of it at NBC, and I'm the writing instructor. So what my job entails is, uh, first, what they do is they get 1,200 submissions. Last year, they got 1,200 submissions. Wow. And then there are eight, yeah, there are eight slots. Wow. So, um, yeah, I know, it's pretty wild. So then there are eight slots. And, um, and what happens is they uh, have like eight readers, and they narrow down the top scripts. And then I don't end up seeing them usually until... You know, they're down to the top 10 or 12. And, and then I'll look at that and then we'll, her and I will decide as far as the top, top eight. Um, and she goes through a lot of the process before it gets to that. And then my job is teaching the eight finalists, um, through a 12 week program on how to write a TV spec script and how to write a TV pilot script. So by the end of 12 weeks, these eight finalists will have a brand new spec script and a brand new pilot script. Mm -hmm. And, and the per, and then that's Tuesday night. So Tuesday nights, that's a class from 7 to 10 o'clock every week. And then on Thursday nights, Karen works with them and, and gets them, they get mentors that work at the studio and the network very often or, and or a showrunner, um, or someone on a show. So they get mentors that one is on the show and one is on the studio or network side. And, um, and so, you know, it's through the 12 week process that, that we try to, prepare 
all of these writers so that they are prepared for the staffing process and, and as they say, they are right on the verge of things happening. Now, what I will say to people that the, the programs are becoming a little more, um, they are becoming a little more strict this year oh, as far as they, they're expecting more. So mm -hmm. even though like an NBC, you're just turning in a spec script. If you make the finals, they are, you know, they're looking for people who have somewhat of a writing portfolio. They're mm. looking like ABC, for example, even though they only expect a spec script submission for the people who make the next next cut, ABC wants to make sure they have another spec script and another pilot script. Well, NBC is in a similar place in mm. that we want to make sure that they have other scripts in their portfolio so that, you know, we are, it's, it's not for brand new, it's not for baby, baby writers. Mm. It's more for people who are, who really are right on the verge of becoming staffed. Mm -hmm. Well, that's very good to know. Yeah. And so, in in the spec scripts of the eight that are chosen, what what do you think it is that stands right. out for them? Like what 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 is it that makes you, you know, say? That always yeah, yeah. What what makes you say yes? I need this person. Is is it a distinctive voice? Is what 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 is it that uh, yeah. that most stands out? I would say the ingredients of the people who end up making the final cut would be uh, very strong spec scripts, obviously. Their voice you can hear within the script. They have a strong sense of story structure. They choose strong storylines within the show. They, they stay in the parameters of what the show is. So it feels more like a produced episode mm -hmm. and they, um, they, you know, and it's not just about the page. I mean, because NBC has a very well-run program that they end up meeting with the, the, the first cut meets with a bunch of executives at NBC. So it's, it's not just on the page. It's mm -hmm. how you are in a room. And, and, you know, because certainly we all know, um, to get a job working as a writer, you have to be every bit as strong in the room as you are on the page. Mm -hmm. So it's very, important to have strong confidence and, and to believe in your work and to be a person who's easy to get along with and and not shy and and so it really is a number of things that go in now the essays a lot of people spend a lot of a lot of time stressing about the essays and I say to people you know you want to think about things like when you're writing your essay you want to think about really taking us into a personal life moment that that really shaped your diverse perspective mm. and and that could be anything it doesn't mean you know diversity only applies to the color of your skin diversity really applies to to whatever happened in your life and how it shaped you into having a diverse perspective and then being able to communicate and express that in a way that, that shows us that you have a large well of story to draw from um, because that is everything to you as a writer and being able to access your story is everything. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and speaking about diversity, I, I know when I first heard about these fellowships, I just had this image in my mind of it being primarily um, for younger 
writers. And yet I've been hearing lately that there's a much older skewing of people who actually uh, make it into the fellowships. The the NBC one, what would you, what would you say the age range is in your typical eight? Um, you know, I would say probably, I don't want to put any number on it, but I would, if I were to guess, I would say into the mid forties, um, starting 24, Mm -hmm. probably. So there's probably at least 20 to 25 year span. So, you know, I remember one of the podcasts that I did with George Masters Mm -hmm. of Breaking Bad. He was in the ABC program when he was 38 years old. So it's, yeah. So it's good. So people who have the misconception that, that these writing programs are only for 20 something writers, they're wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, they're wrong because really my feeling on age and writing is the more you live, the more you have to write about. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think that, I think that that, that perspective is becoming more widely known because certainly when you have writers who have had other careers, who have succeeded and failed and, and have something to draw from, Mm -hmm. it gives them something to write about. So when people will say to me, Oh, is there ageism? Am am I this? Am I that? I said, that's only a block you put in front of yourself because Mm -hmm. the bottom line is strong writing will rise. So focus on what you can control. And that is your voice on the page. Mm -hmm. Well, the, and the really neat thing um, from what I've heard now, Keto Shimizu, um, was she, yeah, she was in one of, one of your uh, groups. Um, she, I actually interviewed her on the podcast recently and she was telling me about how, they, oh, I love Keto. Yeah, yeah. I just posted about her on Facebook. Oh, you did? Okay, cool. Um, and she, she told me about how even after the program finished, that the eight worked together almost work, um, as almost a writing group, workshopping their, their material after the program yes. ended. And that is so cool to me. And, and yes. actually she shared that it was, yes. it was actually, in that that group of eight helping each other, that's what ended up helping her get staffed on on the Cape. Well, she's Keto, and we just posted on on um, Facebook. Keto got on being human. Oh, she did. So oh, great. It, it, yeah. Yeah, Keto just got staffed on being human. So mm-hmm. she is one of the seven that got staffed this year on a new show. Yeah. So, wow. uh, yeah. So it's really, really terrific. And, um, and you know, I mean, the thing is this group of eight get, I mean, you get so close because it's over a 12 year, 12 week. Um, period. And, and these are your peers. These are who, you know, it's a hard program. I mean, it's like a boot camp program. I mean, you know, a lot of these writers, you have to write a brand new spec and a, a brand new pilot script. And many of these writers have full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're having to really bide your time and, and really to get the best out of the program you know, you really have to step up to the plate. And so it, it has been amazing. Yeah. Very, very cool. Yeah. No, Ket- yeah, yeah. Keto, Keto's going places. Mm-hmm. Keto is a mm-hmm. very, very smart writer who's not only strong on the page, but amazing in the room. So she's, she's one to watch. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. So speaking yes. about podcasts now, um, I, I actually yes. found out about you originally through your podcasts. 
um, and absolutely, absolutely love them. I um, uh, just and especially because, well, the whole reason I wanted to start my podcast was because and I'm sure you found this. There was just nothing on TV. Right. I mean, there were tons of film podcasts, but there were there was nothing devoted to to TV. And I know you. I mean, you sometimes talk to feature writers as well, but primarily to to TV. And um and you've had some amazing writers on on the podcast. So tell me a little bit about that and your experience doing that. Yes. Well, first of all, let me say I'm inspired by your podcast as well. So I'm a huge fan of everything that you are doing. Um, so I have, I definitely have to say that, you know, it's really been tremendous getting to know you and what you've done. Um, what inspired my podcast was certainly I, first it was inspired by Pilar Alessandra, Mm -hmm. who had me on her podcast. And she interviewed me on her podcast, uh, for on the page. And I got so much business from doing an interview with her that I thought, well, wait a minute. I've got 17 years of relationships with writers all over town. Mm -hmm. So what if I specialized in TV writers? Because she more covered anybody in the business at all types of jobs. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, what if I did, um, looking at my brand, I, I just, my, my whole brand is the idea of developing from within. Mm-hmm. And that the stronger you are inside, the stronger you are on the page. And so what I recognized is there was nothing really out there giving us the story behind our top storytellers. And I am a believer that in order to get where you want to go in life, in any type of business, you want to hear from the people who are where you want to be. And if you hear their story, then it will help you map your own way to the destination that you want. And so, you know, like with story-wise, what I say it is, is uh, it's the story behind our top story storytellers as a way to inspire and motivate people to believe that they too can make their dreams a reality. Mm, Very, very cool. Um, Now, I think you'd you'd be interested in this. I I just saw it. um, I don't know if you, you probably know Penn Densham. Oh yes, of yeah, course. Yeah, um, yeah. I was he, supposed to do Movie Maker magazine with him. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He uh, he tweeted um, this this blog post that he did today, and it was so fascinating. He talked about how when you watch a, a movie, how it's actually been proven right. that there's a certain part of your your brain that gets triggered, and and so say for instance, even if you're watching gymnastics and you see somebody doing a a, a flip. Um, the part of their brain that makes them do a flip is actually triggering in your brain as you watch them. How wild. Yeah. And, and, and you're obviously, obviously not acting it out, but it is actually producing an almost identical response in you. That happens when you watch a movie or a TV show that when you, that's why we experience that, that catharsis through, through watching television and, and, and feature films, because when we see somebody going th- through these things, there's actually right. something connecting in our brains. And, and what, what that got me thinking of is when we, as, as, as wannabe writers or budding writers or developing writers can listen to podcasts, um, with interviews from people who are, are doing it, I imagine that it can trigger things in us, that it can. Oh, that, it definitely does. That, that, um, not just in learning, but e- right. e- even in, in teaching ourselves to, to 
be able to follow in the in the same kind of paths as, as these people. Well, and also, I mean, it, what it is, like anything in life, when you humanize a situation, and by, by humanize, I mean, when you breathe life into, this is how I did it, this, these are the lessons that I learned along the way, and I, like with my podcast, when writers will say to me, Jen, what do you want with this? And, you know, I've had writers from almost every top show on television, and, and, at all levels. And because for me, it's, I want writers at every level. I don't want writers just at the top who mm -hmm. people can't imagine. I want writers at every level so that, that everyone can relate with, okay, if it happened for them, maybe it can happen for me. And if I listen to what they did, maybe there's something that I can put into play. And I've had success stories of people who have listened to the podcast, who have connected with the writers and things have happened. And that's what, you know, that's what life is. I mean, mm -hmm. life is story. And the more story you hear about success, the more motivated you become, as you say, when you have that effect, when you watch a film, it's the same thing when you hear somebody's story and you go, okay, well, you know, I mean, my feeling always is, why not me? Yeah. Why not me? Yeah. You know, someone's got to sell a pilot. Yeah. Someone's got to this. Someone's got to that. If you have the attitude of why not me, then make it happen. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, I you interviewed know? a writer recently, and, he's, and uh, Courtney Lilly, he, uh, he wrote for Arrested Development and uh, The Cleveland Show. And he said, everybody bets oh, on something. Why don't you bet on yourself? <laughs> Yeah. I was going to say the biggest thing for writers is what you have to recognize is don't look at the numbers game. Like don't look at the number of pilots that sell or the number of people who staff. Really focus on your writing. Really focus on selling your passion and really focus on what makes you marketable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I encourage people to do things like write a writer's bio. And in your bio, have your voice come out because that's so much more telling than reading a resume mm. that's very dry and technical. So it's like bring your story to life and that's how you connect with your audience. So it is, you know, it's just, I mean, I can't tell you how many stories I've heard of like people coming here. And I remember one story I heard, I think it was Jill Goldsmith who told me she gave up a huge law job and knew no one out here. And she came out here and she was at a coffee bean in Santa Monica and she was standing behind this guy in line and she had a script in her hand and he said, oh, are you a writer? And she said, yes, I am. And he says, oh, um, and started questioning her and they engaged in a conversation and it was David Milch. Oh and, you know, goodness. I mean... <laughs> you know, and it paved the way for her wow. because all, all it takes is one person opening a door for you. Mm -hmm. And then you have to walk through it. But but it's it's having that opportunity. And so that's why I always say to writers, like, 
don't be shy. Like when, when writers will say, oh my God, you know, I want to give this person my script, but I'm afraid. And it's like, no, there's a mutual benefit going on there. If you believe in your voice and are a strong writer, when you ask someone to read your script who needs to know writers, there's a mutual benefit going on there. Mm -hmm. So it's recognizing your own value in that equation and selling it. There's no favor going on. It's a mutual thing going on there. So it's really owning that, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big proponent of personal branding. Um, and es yes. especially with the, the opportunities that have come in the last few years have, have given us a chance to, um, I mean, if you are willing to take advantage of it, Facebook, Twitter, mm -hmm. LinkedIn, all of those kinds of things, um, there's so many people who, say, for instance, on, on Twitter, they don't put a bio on their their Twitter. Yeah. So how are sp people supposed know. to know what, who know. you are or what you do? Or You're they don't right. put a picture on You're it. You're right. Well, what an opportunity yep. for, for, for random people in yes. the industry to see you and to, you know, lodge that yes. face in their memory. Um, I, I think so. Personal branding yeah. is everything. Yeah. You know, I just went into a meeting the other day and it was so fascinating because I got to see what my clients feel like because it's rare that I'm ever on the other side of the equation. But I, um, I'm writing my second book. It's my third book. Um, but it, um, is going to be, be more branching into the business life spiritual. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, maybe I should have an agent for this, even though I haven't needed one so far. So I went into a very big agency and had a meeting. And one of the things that came up in the meeting that was so fascinating to me is um, he said, like, how many people do you have following you on Twitter? Mm -hmm. Now, Ten five years ago, that would never have come up. Yeah. And and I'm a person that between Twitter, Facebook, and my newsletter, I have about ten thousand people. But he was telling me about a person who had ninety thousand people on Twitter. Ninety. And so you're sitting here and like, yes. And I was like, okay, I have no idea how you do that. <laughs> but it's showing you the force of personal branding mm -hmm. and how important it is, as you say, to do things like post your bio, post your picture, like really getting out there because this is becoming the wave of the future. Mm -hmm. And it is representing your value. Even as a writer on staff, I've heard people say in staffing meetings that they'll say, you know, how many people are are friends with you on Facebook because they know that you're going to be promoting their show mm. and getting people to watch their show and obviously the more people you have the better yeah you know yeah very cool well i know well, you've mentioned the world is changing yeah <laughs> i know you've mentioned your book a few times and now's the chance we get to talk about it yes. so tell me about Yes. Uh, what, I mean, how it developed. When, when did you get the idea to write your book? And, and I shouldn't just say your book. Well, Storyline, finding gold in okay. your life story. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Greg. You're great. I appreciate it. Um, so what inspired Storyline was, interestingly enough, um, my book that I'm going to write now, which is called Turning Your Plan B into Your Plan A, change your life, change your story. Mm. That was my initial book that I was working on. 
And what happened was I interviewed two authors from Michael Weezy Productions on my podcast. Mm -hmm. And through that podcast, I was introduced to Ken Lee at Michael Weezy Productions. And I also went to Seattle and did a story weekend for the Northwestern Screenwriters Guild. And when I was in Seattle, I also connected with Ken through that experience. And then I, I, uh, I interviewed two of his authors. Well, Ken said to me, I told him I was writing a book, but I didn't think it was in their realm because it wasn't an entertainment how-to book. And he said, well, do you have any ideas for an entertainment how-to book? And I said, of course I do. I mean, that's what I've done for 17 years. And so I thought, okay, well, there, my first thought was there are thousands of people who don't get into these writing programs. So what if I wrote a book? It really summarized everything that I teach in this program so that it could be available to the masses. Mm -hmm. And so I turned in a proposal for him that was 10 weeks to a stronger writing portfolio. And in that proposal, there was an exercise that I, that is probably my most popular exercise that I do at my seminars. And that's called Logline for Your Life. Mm. So Ken latched on to the exercise and said, I want a book on this exercise, which mm. was called Logline for Your Life. So initially, the book was called Logline for Your Life. But then as we were going through the process of, of me writing and finishing the book and turning it in, the sales representatives um, that, that Michael Weezy Productions uh, were pitching it to said that the vast majority of people don't know what logline means. Mm. So logline became storyline. Yeah. So that was, that was how, so everything, I mean, this book was in me for 17 years, you know? So I, there are certain things that are ready to be birthed. I mean, it took me, it only took me three and a half months to write this book. Wow. And, and, you know, that was in the midst of me running a full-time business. So when people will say to me, I don't have time you make time. I mean, I would write from 4 a.m. to 7 a.m. every day. Wow. And that was just my time that I had to do it in. And so it really was a, and it was a very, um, fascinating experience for me because of course I have been an analyst for 18 years at the time that I wrote it. And so it was using a totally different side of my brain. However, the great thing was because it was my first book, it, um, and it was teaching what I know, then it, it was an easier thing for me to go into it that way. Mm. And, and before Storyline, I was a blogger for the Huffington Post for two years um, because I knew that I was going to be writing a book. Mm. So I started writing blogs as a way to get into what it was going to be to write a book. Very cool. Well, and, and I, I know we, we talked a number of times about this, yeah. but um, I, I know that so many writers are told, write what you know, and right. nobody knows what that yes. means. <laughs> and I, I love the way that you, yes. you really got specific yes. <laughs> and, and, and got into, okay, let's go yes. into your life, the turning points in your life. What made you turn is going to 
it is going to be something that other people are going to relate to. Yes. Yes. Because your audience comes through your own connection with your story. Now, this is not writing from an autobiographical place. Hmm. This is writing from a place of emotional truth and adding fiction to that truth. So it is, you know, it, it is um, storyline is half craft, half memoir. And so every other chapter is craft and every other chapter is how I draw from my own life and put it into story as a way to demonstrate to writers how they draw from their own lives and and see through my two big pivotal universal life moments, which were my divorce at a young age and my, um, my losing my job after 15 years with the same company, I connect with my audience because my, my audience, they're not going to relate with, you know, look at Jen Grisanti on paper. She was a vice president and Aaron Spelling was her mentor. Well, not many people know that life experience mm -hmm. in the outer out you know, in the broader scheme of things. And so, but what people will connect with is who is Jen Grisanti? Jen, is, Jen Grisanti is someone who knows what it is to believe in a fairy tale and have it end badly and rise above that. And Jen Grisanti is someone who knows what it is to lose her job and have to redefine and recreate a new direction and show that you can have every bit as much value, if not more, from doing so, from learning from those falls, because that's your gold and your gold is what connects you to your audience. Mm -hmm. So that's what Storyline does. And through Logline for Your Life, I teach people how you can take emotion because Writing a log line, for example, is uh, a difficult thing for a lot of people. But when you say write a log line for your life, and my formula for a log line is set up of who, create empathy, dilemma, action, goal. Well, we all know what happened in our own lives. Mm. So it's very easy for us to think about how to sequence the story within that formula. Whereas when we're writing our script, it's not as easy because we don't recognize the familiarity of the sequence of events. Mm -hmm. So when you draw from your life and you go into that formula and you add fiction to it, then suddenly you could have five more scripts to write. Mm. And those are scripts that are coming from your authentic truth, which is well, what will connect you to your audience. Very, very cool. And so now... Thanks. Other books, yeah. I mean, this. So this, this yeah. was number one. You said there's three now, or th yeah. uh, almost three, because there's one yes. still coming, right? Um, tell, tell me about book two and three. Well, what? Yes, book. You're so sweet. I appreciate it. <laughs> book number two actually is self-published, mm -hmm. and that is TV Writing Toolkit: Writing a Script That Sells. And what? And that was that's five of my top-selling workbooks. Um, that is now put into a book. And, and it was the writer's store who actually encouraged me to do that because mm -hmm. they were selling my workbooks and they said, you know, your workbooks are doing great, but we think they do even better if you combine them into a book. Mm -hmm. So what I, what I had to do 
I couldn't take five workbooks and just throw it into a book. I had to turn it into a book. And because I had gone through the experience with Storyline and saw what that was, it certainly made it easier. So I, you know, so I turned my five top selling workbooks into a book. Um, and that became TV writing toolkit, how to write a script that sells. Mm-hmm. And now my third book, um, that is the book that's going to more go into the business life spiritual and really showing people how your story, whether it's for your business or for your life, is what will connect you with your audience. So it's learning how to utilize your story. And, and the most interesting thing I find in story is when people have to go through major life transition and pave a new path. That That is what intrigues me the most in story because I like you know, the idea of learning from your falls and learning how to get back up. And so this book is going to be all about how I went into paving my new direction and created a six-figure business on my own out of my truth, out Mm -hmm. of turning a negative life experience into a very positive life experience and and trying to help others do the same. Mm -hmm. Very, very cool. Well, uh, we're we're Thanks. around an hour here, and I know I'd love to talk to you forever, but I see uh, you you're even losing the light there. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Am I losing the light? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yep, yes, um, yes. The evening is starting to set here. Yeah. Well, great. I am so so grateful for this time, and your questions were fantastic. And I'm I I want everyone to know that. Um, you can do it. Mm. You can become a work writer. It is all about finding your voice. It is all about believing in your path. And it is all about putting it into action. And I encourage anyone who has an interest in writing to make it happen because there is no, no more gratifying life experience than to be able to interpret the world and pass on what you learn. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. Well said. And, uh, and I urge everyone to right now, um, so you don't forget, go to jengrisanticonsultancy.com and make sure if you haven't listened to our podcasts, start one right now. They're excellent. Even if, as you're doing something else to listen to, um, and also check out all her services because yeah. they're awesome. Um, and, uh, and so just Thank hold, you. hold the line for a minute after, after we end here. And, uh, so, um, okay. But thanks so much for taking part. I know that people are going to be so encouraged to uh, to hear everything and see you for the first time. We can actually see somebody um, uh, and everything you okay. have to say. And I hope they take advantage of what you have to offer. Thank you very much, Ray. I appreciate it. Hosted by Gray Jones, the TV Writer Podcast is brought to you by Script Magazine and ScriptMag.com the leading source for script writing information in print and on the web. And by Final Draft Script Writing Software, the entertainment industry standard for script writing worldwide. <laughs>